Hey everyone, this is Martin and Sandra Phillips and welcome back to the Karate for Life podcast. Today we want to dig a bit deeper into the basics of karate and life, taking a closer look at the first element of Ichigan, Nisoku, Santan, Shiriki, the eyes. We've noticed everybody faces challenges in life, some big and some small, but not everyone has a way to navigate these problems. It's not always easy, but we've found that we always keep coming back to what we've learned from our years in the dojo. And that's what this podcast is all about. Helping us all find the solutions to last problems, or even better yet, to remove the problems before they arise. This is Martin and Sandra Phillips, and welcome to the Karate for Life podcast. Martin, are you ready to do this today? I think so. I think so. We've been spending a little bit of time collecting our thoughts and doing a bit of a brain dump. Every time we look at this, we can. you seem to find up find new angles and new ways to approach things and and go a little bit deeper so we'll see how we go pulling it together yeah and i guess for those who have been doing martial arts for a long time and i mean especially those who are way above our time in the dojo you know um i mean for myself personally i I know for you too every time we discuss ichigan with students of various ages levels you know it always seems to have you know a similar message yet also very different different angles of how we actually attack depending on the audience conversations yeah. yeah so it can this could really blow out really um yeah it could it could go it could go uh, you know so many different directions maybe less to, to help focus we'll go back to that the text from from Soke's teaching manual uh, i might let you read there if that's okay sure thing okay so ichigan it is said that the spirit of a person is shown most through the eyes in Budo, gun represents the power of insight into the movement of the opponent's body, spirit, etc. Oh wow! So, so this is this is really looking at from a from a technical point of view, and I guess to, to look at you know hear, hear this saying, the eyes are the window to the soul, is looking not just at their physical body, but their emotional state and their mental state, and and and. And looking at looking at how we do that, perhaps we'll we'll get onto that in a little bit. Maybe maybe we'll get back and, and look at. Yeah, let's go really simple. We'll go really simple. Really simple, simple and just think. Okay, uh, if we just go back to ourselves as individuals, so we look at as far as how we use the eyes for ourselves. Yeah. So as an individual, when I think I focus, I think, where are my eyes fixed? Am I looking? Am I looking down? Am I looking up? Am I am I focused on something? Or am I just in a bit of a daze? So. So just by aligning the eyes, looking forwards, that in turn helps to align the posture and creates a position of position of personal power. When the body's when the head comes down, when the eyes come down, the head comes down, the posture collapses. When you hold that for an extent any extended period of time, you start to feel you start to feel a little bit depressed. Yeah, low energy, low much energy flowing through you. And just by opening that up opening it up, fixing the eyes off into the distance, looking forwards rather than backwards, it, it allows you to create that, that feeling of strength within yourself. Yeah, and would you also say that with that feeling, it tends to also help correct the posture? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And create greater stability and yeah, one, balance. One feeds into support. the other, the eyes, the eyes feed into the posture, the posture feeds into the eyes, One and, and, that, and that feeling of, of strength and power comes from that yeah and i guess you could also look at it in terms of the way you look at people you could look at people with love and kindness or you could look at people with hate 
you know, and jealousy. And just in, in the way you look at people, it's amazing how that can have an instant effect on your overall psychology as well. Oh, absolutely. This is, when, when we see this, I'll take this back to the dojo for a second. When you, when you look at a partner, some people just look really scary. Yeah, you're one of those people. I'm one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's just, it's, it's not because they're doing anything. They can just be standing there and they just look scary. Some people look intimidating. Some people look like they're, they're, they're ready to be eaten alive. Uh, you know, I remember, remember training, there's a few, a few teachers that I've trained with in Japan. You know, I'm, I'm pretty tall. Compared to compared to most most Japanese people, I remember, I remember training with a few people, and physically they're not that big, but you look at them, and they just look like they're ten feet tall because they've just got this presence about them through the through the way that they use their eyes and the way that they hold themselves. That's just just makes them look larger than life. Wow, that commanding presence. That commanding presence. Getting back to the referee rule book, eh? Yeah, I always come back to that commanding presence. I it stuck with me not just as a referee, but I've taken that a whole lot, uh, a lot of thought going into that with my own training as well. And mm. as a parent, believe it or not, mm. <laughs> always thinking of those sorts of things. All right, so let's move on now. So let's extend outside of ourselves and let's move into our surrounding environment. So using your eyes in, in this way, I guess, is, is looking at what's going on around you. So if we, if we look at it from a self-defense scenario, being aware of what's around you is, is the first, first rule of self-defense is, is be, be aware of what's there and, and don't be where the trouble is. So, for, and just that awareness of, of looking at, you know, where are the potential threats you know, if, if you're walking into a, let's say, let's say you're walking into a nightclub and and you see there's some people over over on the side, they they, you know, there's there's a bit of an argument erupting. Do you walk towards it or do you walk around the other way and stay away from it? So so just being aware of the space around you is the first first step. Also being aware of opportunities. You know, in that same scenario, you're looking. Okay, you've walked into this walked into this space and there's a there's a disturbance erupting over there on the side and you're looking for where are the where are the possible escape routes yeah so, so you're not walking into the trouble so so if the if the trouble erupts further and it, and it becomes bigger than bigger than than it needs to be then you've got a way to get out not be there no, that's fantastic. It just brought back it just brought back a memory for me when I was a young mum. I remember being in a park all alone with our two kids, and you're at work, and I was there on my own. And I remember this man coming towards me, and it and it just did not feel right. I mean, he's probably about at least maybe hundred meters away. But I just instantly felt, oh, this is not a just, good just felt feeling. Uneasy it about felt it. really uneasy about this man coming, and he was walking straight at me. And I had two young kids. I think Sam would have probably been around, oh, gee, I don't know, three or so. And so they're still really young and happy and doing their thing, obviously, minding their own business. But this man's walking at me. He started walking quite slow, and he got faster and faster. And then the car pulled up, a young family coming into the park as well. And he straight away just veered off, and he ran the other way. It was the most bizarre experience, and I kind of thought, wow, what's going to happen here? It was only because my environment changed that that person's um, actions were changing as well. So what may have happened, I don't know, but I was certainly very aware of him coming into that space from such a distance. 
was a very unusual uh, feeling about this person. So, uh, I mean, you can sense it. If, if you have yourself positioned and you know yourself, if you have yourself positioned with your eyes and your posture and uh, you find that you generally get a sense of your environment changing and the energy will change in people around you and you can sense that. Mm. I guess that's the other thing. As, as we move towards dealing with an opponent, which is probably the next step, looking from going from the from the surroundings to dealing with an opponent or somewhere that's that's connected, then you start to look at you start to look towards their eyes. That's the old, old saying, the eyes are the window to the soul. Yeah. It gives you that insight of someone's intent. Definitely. Okay, so we've got know yourself. Yeah. We want to know our environments. Yeah. And let's go now into knowing your opponent. Yeah, so so as I said, that when you when you connect or engage with an opponent, it first starts with with how you connect with your eyes. When we practice in the dojo, when we practice partner applications or bunkai or, or kumite, then always always the first thing to do is is start with the eyes. Start with how you're connecting because that becomes a judge of a judge of one their intent. Are they a threat? Or are you in control? Mm, so you're always observing, you're getting a sense of what's going on, and you're, I guess you're kind of detecting what's going on. Yeah, so you're looking at, looking at what is the next step going to be. Do you need to adjust your distance? Do you need to engage and take control and take, take command of that situation? Or, or do you just need to let it flow by? And uh, so, so, so we're looking at, the eyes judge that intent first, and then it moves on to those looking for those little things that like your like your distance. Are the, uh, is the opponent at a distance where they can do any damage to you, or are they still moving towards that distance? And and as they come in closer and closer and closer into that into that zone of engagement, then then you become even more and more heightened and aware of of what's going on, and. And I guess this is something I think you do exceptionally well in Kumite. Uh, and this is, this is, you know, last time you competed at the Soke Cup, this is your entire strategy was distance. You know, perhaps you could talk about what you experienced with that briefly. Oh, gee, yeah. Throw me on the spot just like that. Wasn't expecting that. It's actually interesting. Yeah, distance was an important part. Distance and timing. I, I did go back to those because I knew that... Um, it's a lot of young ladies coming through, and I tell you, the speed on those girls is incredible. And I didn't feel at that time that I could um, be an attacker, as I would love to do when I was younger. I didn't feel I had that speed in my body to, to do it in a way where I could disguise any kind of um, telegraphs in my movement to enter. I, I did feel as though there's a good chance on my entry they're going to take me. So because of that, I thought let's be really simple. Let's let them walk into the problem and I'll be more patient. I, I was never a patient fighter when I uh, was growing up. I wouldn't just go and take control and just get in there and attack, you know, and it wasn't such a You're wise a feisty thing. one, weren't you? Very feisty, I believe. I don't think I was really, but... <laughs> Being on the receiving end in training a few times, I, yes, you were. Yeah. 
But I think in time, I think in time you you change and you grow and, and, and you mature. You see other people's perspectives. You see other people's teachings, and I think you have to uh, to grow. But I guess yeah, distance and timing were my key elements. But the underlying of that, though, my personal goal was I wanted to bring in my absolute best. I wanted to know that within myself, I could control everything about me, my mind, my body, my emotional state. I did not want to let any of those parts of, of me be weak. And this all comes back to the eyes, doesn't it? It all came back to the eyes, the way I used my eyes at that point in time, yes. And it's amazing how the intent can be so deep. It goes so deep that it turns into this state of, it's like a, um, the feeling is like a, you're feeling invincible, but you, but you feel so much love at the same time. You don't, I mean, you never want to hurt anybody. There's such great care and love, but there's this invincible feeling that, that kind of takes over your body in that state. I can't explain it much more than that. Mm. So, that, again, that, that way that you use your eyes, obviously there's, there's the perception of what's going on, that perception of space, perception of, of your opponent looking at this threat, and then there's also that what you're projecting out from yourself, yes. how you're using your eyes in that way. That, that kind of reminds me of a, of a, of a great story about, about Soke. I remember my, our, our former teacher, Brian Hayson, so he, he, uh, he once, once asked Soke, if you ever had to defend yourself, how would you, what would you do? How would, how would you do that? And I think he had the perfect answer, Soke did. He, he said, I would hope that my kamai would be enough. So the hope that my presence... And the way that I presented myself would be enough so the fight would not happen. Of course, if the fight happened, then, then I'd do this, 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 and this. But the first step, first line of defence is how I use my eyes. Wow. That's incredibly powerful, isn't Extraordinary. it? Extraordinary. Yeah. Okay, so that's a great way, I guess, to wrap up that part. I think maybe just really briefly, let's go and to look at if we were to take these ideas and then how to apply it into our everyday life now I guess because I mean you, we've looked at ourself the, the surroundings with other people in this situation opponents if we go and put this into everyday life what would that look like in your mind well it's, it's, it's again it's an extension of those same three elements you're, you're looking at how you're holding yourself how you're presenting yourself how you're taking in the world around you that's, that's moving into the awareness Looking at looking at possible opportunities that that might be coming up, and and also possible possible um, struggles or, or, or threats or challenges that come up as well. So so that's being aware of that, and and uh, how you use your eyes is. Is, is what directs everything that you do. Yeah, and would you say, I mean, I could say this for myself personally, but I'm not sure about yourself. I find the more I practice, I think you've got to practice these things, not just think about them. You need actually action and, and deliberately practice. It's a, it's a conscious effort. Yeah, and so I'll actually practice using my eyes in everyday life when I'm driving or when I'm speaking with people, whatever it might be in all different situations. It can, it can be just those little things like, like if you're feeling just a little bit low energy, just to lift your eyes raise your posture and, and straighten up yeah very much so i guess what i was probably trying to get to was that i find that when i align my spine i guess by using my eyes i generally feel as though um i can live from a more i guess peaceful state a more calm state and a lot less overwhelmed so although challenges may arise still, and the same kind of ones that I've had 20 years ago, 
I don't respond the same way anymore to those challenges. There's this maturity and there's this presence which says, I can do this in a more peaceful way now. Mm. I don't need to go through the struggle or get all emotional about things. I can just go, you know what, cut to the chase. Let's just move forward in this peaceful, calm way. Would you have that same kind of thing? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think that's a that's, that's definitely a, an approach. It, it creates a mental space where you can just stay stay level headed. That's the, the thing that we we strive towards. Hejul Shin, that that calm heart. Where you're operating in that band, where you're not you're not excited by things, not too excited, or you're not depressed by things, but operating in that in that calmness, calm state in the middle, where things just are. Yeah. And me being my curious self, I love getting excited, but I love pulling myself back into that, that state. If I need to be more like clear and to have clarity in my projects, I'll always bring myself to that even place that even so I can truly get take it all in and deliver a much better experience for those who I'm trying to work with. Jeez, we've done well. We normally try to keep these a little bit shorter than this, but uh, I knew it was going to blow out. So, so I think we probably should uh, start to think about the next episode, hey? Next episode moving into stance. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Karate for Life podcast. If you found this episode useful, please comment on our website, karateforlife.com. Share it with your friend via social media and don't forget to tag us, hashtag Karate for Life podcast. And if you've got a topic that you'd like us to cover in future episodes or a question you'd like to ask about karate or life, please send us a message. We'd be more than happy to share our thoughts. Thanks again for joining us and stay tuned for the next episode about Ichigan ni Sokusan Tan Shiriki as we continue to go more deeply into the second element, the stance.